It's Christmas! We're counting down to Christmas We're spending all of our pain We're getting so excited We need a holiday Deck the halls and jingle your bells because we are back for another episode of Christmas Binge, your new favourite Christmas listening tradition. My name is Brittany Stewart. I'm a Melbourne-based journalist, host of another podcast called Beauty Island and an absolute Christmas obsessive. This podcast was born from my desperation to find something, anything festive to add to my podcast rotation in December to get me in the mood. I couldn't find anything, so I made the decision to make it myself. Christmas goodwill or purely selfish, you decide. Thankfully, I was not the only one and it got such a brilliant reception from all of you last year, so here we are again. A Christmas binge is all about celebrating the spirit of the season by chatting to interesting people to find out how they celebrate. Each episode, I sit down with a guest and ask them about their Christmas binges the show or film they watch religiously to get them in the festive mood, what they eat and what goes on the dinner table come Christmas Day, and of course, their unique family Christmas traditions. It is light-hearted, festive fun to get us in the holiday spirit because goodness knows after the year it's been, we all need and deserve it. Today, I am so excited to have the incredible Sarah Tiong. If you are a food lover, you'll no doubt instantly recognise the name as a beloved MasterChef name and contestant from season nine in 2017 and then back to win earlier this year. A lawyer, Sarah made a name for herself with her bold, bright and in-your-face flavour, which was brilliantly celebrated in her first cookbook that came out this year. Sweet, savoury, spicy, exciting street market food from Thailand, Cambodia, Malaysia and more. We talked about the power of food to bring people together, the way to make your leftovers as good, if not better, than the big meal itself, why Queer Eye should be your family festive viewing, and she also shared her secret to perfect pork crackling. The usual disclaimer, I know that for many people, for different reasons, Christmas is a difficult period and even more so in 2020 when it really has been a trying year like no other. I am so privileged to have had family and Christmas experiences that make it a time of year that I absolutely love so I just wanted to flag that this podcast largely deals with the positive and often indulgent side of Christmas and we're very lucky to have the privilege and freedom to talk about the things like what we eat and the gifts that we'll be giving and and who we'll be spending it with so If it is a topic that you find hard, this might not be the podcast for you right now. But if it is you, please know you're not alone and we will be exploring some of those things throughout the season. So if you have any thoughts or reflections on this, please send me an email, beautyislandpodcast at gmail.com or slide into my DMs at a Christmas binge on Instagram. If you do enjoy this, please do me a Christmas favour and write a review on Apple Podcasts and subscribe or if you listen on Spotify click follow for more Christmas chat and memes you can find me on Instagram that's at a Christmas binge and have a listen to my award nominated beauty podcast called Beauty Island to delve into the memories behind people's favorite beauty products the link is in the show notes 
for now, over to Sarah. Enjoy. Sarah, welcome to A Christmas Binge. I am so excited to be talking all things food and festive with you today. Thank you so much. I'm really excited to be here. This is going to be a great chat. (laughs) So I thought a good place to start is to kind of gauge where you sit on the uh, Christmas scale of excitement is the official name that I've given it. So, I mean, are you a Christmas lover yourself? Is it a a time of year that you you really love and look forward to? Absolutely. It is my favourite time of the year. I am one of those sappy, happy, positive people, especially around Christmas time. Um, But, you know, it's equally stressful too. I understand that. Um, But for me, it's just just really an opportunity for my whole family to come together. And I love that. I love that energy. I love that vibe. Um, You know, we're all busy leading separate lives and, you know, we're all over the place sort of thing. But Christmas... And Boxing Day, that's, you know, there's two days out of the year that we really make an effort to to be with one another. We'll go into a few different things a bit more in depth, but I like to kind of warm up with a bit of a quick fire round to kind of (laughs) gauge your opinion or your feelings on a few uh, some of the more topical or controversial is Christmas, so it's not particularly controversial, but <laughs> you'll see what I mean. So it's just um, this or that or yes or no. So okay. see- seafood or meat for your Christmas meal? Seafood. No hesitation there. You- no. <laughs> I think that's particularly the Aussie thing too, isn't it? And actually it's one of my traditions. Oh, I suppose we'll get into it later. But we go to the, the fish market at like 3 a.m. the night, the day before Christmas on like Christmas Eve. It's just one of those things where my friends and I just really enjoy that. And so seafood is always that kind of celebration food for us. I will definitely be asking you more about that. <laughs> In terms of puddings or dessert, fruitcake or pavlova? Fruitcake. <laughs> With custard, of course. <laughs> big lunch or big dinner for your main Christmas meal? Ooh, can I have both? <laughs> you can uh, definitely have both. <laughs> my family definitely does both. <laughs> Tree up and Christmas music before December 1st, yes or no? Ooh, no. I'm really slack with it, to be honest. You know, I'll put it up like three days before Christmas and it won't come down till Easter. I'm one of those. <laughs> it's so bad. <laughs> <laughs> I love that. So so you're not you're not even thinking about it until the next few weeks. Oh god, no. I mean, the putting up of the tree, you know, when I've got friends around it's great, but I don't know, it's just one of those things where it's the last thing on my mind. I'm most excited about the food. I'm most excited about, you know, getting to spend time with people that I probably haven't seen for weeks or months. So, yeah. Big presents or Kris Kringle? I suppose this is more with family or friends. What do you kind of do? I'm a big present kind of person. I I love splurging on my friends and family as well. Well, not splurging, but more getting them something that is quite meaningful and and has some nostalgia or or leads to an experience that's a bit different. Tinsel, yes or no? No, I prefer lights. The final two, we have a musical one, which we will talk a bit more about when we talk about the music and movies that you love at Christmas, but mm-hmm. Bing Crosby or Mariah Carey, classic or, or modern classic? Oh, I've got to go Mariah. Got to go Mariah. Oh, legend. <laughs> and finally, this is actually three options, but if you had to pick your favourite Christmas, I suppose, flavour or taste, would you go sweet, savoury or spicy? <laughs> For me, it has to be savory. I'm a savory person. I love all of that sort of, you know, the 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 canapes and all the things to be quite, yeah, salty, savory, exciting. Brilliant. Best way to spread Christmas cheer is singing loud for all. 
as many people would know, obviously we came to know you through MasterChef Season 9 and then back to win earlier <laughs> this year. So I thought it would be only be proper to start with our first segment on food. And I'm so excited, obviously, given your expertise and passion around the subject. But first, a bit more about, I suppose this Christmas in particular is going to be so different for many people. This yeah. this year has been a... um a crazy, unpredictable and trying year for many people. So I wondered, given, you know, you were actually filming the latest season of MasterChef while Mm -hmm. this was all unfolding, was all unfolding for the rest of us while we were watching you, did kind of the circumstance and context of what's happened this year, did it change or reinforce to you anything about kind of the power of food for comfort and bringing people together? Yeah, no, that's a great question. Absolutely. You know, I've been very, very lucky to have been part of this MasterChef family and to, to kind of get to show my stuff, I guess, twice. And once you become a part of this this movement, this family that is MasterChef, you really see that it is so influential. It is so, it has such power to change how people think about food, how they eat, how they shop. And when you're kind of, when the whole world is kind of forced into this situation as it was with COVID-19, where people are really conscious about going out. People are conscious about what they're going to be eating. People are conscious about how they're going to feed their families. MasterChef not only provided a point of sort of escape from reality, it was, you know, that thing that entertained us all. It was a feel-good, exciting, really fun thing to watch. But it also kind of showed us, you know, there are still different ways to find joy and different ways to sort of be able to live in this kind of environment and still provide for our families and provide and and have that sort of focus on food. Absolutely. And I think, you know, even on a more granular level, just kind of when you lose track of all the time because you're stuck in your house, knowing that MasterChef is on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday is a big help as well. But exactly. <laughs> and kind of from that, I think, you know, it's something that we've we've talked about a lot as a community and people, but particularly on MasterChef as well, is this idea of food bringing people together, a way mm. to connect and belong and also celebrate, which I think are really kind of the fundamentals of what Christmas mm. and the holiday season in general is all about. And yeah. I know that um, in a few interviews that you've done, you've said so many of your kind of fondest and happiest childhood memories, and I imagine mm-hmm. adult memories as well, have happened around like a dinner table. Yeah. Before we get to the kind of festive version, what's the most prominent dish that features in those memories for you? Okay, that, this, oh, a dish pops into mind straight away. It's Hokkien noodles. And Hokkien noodles are this incredible, it's it's a Malaysian Singaporean dish, right? It is basically noodles that are charred or like cooked in really, really high heat. So you get really smoky flavor. And then they're sort of like braised over time in this sauce. And you've got, you know, your vegetables, your meats and everything. It's textural. It's aromatic. It is beautiful. And it is my mother's favorite noodle dish. It is one of the only dishes that she has taught me step by step and it's taken years to develop and it's one of the only dishes where my mum has now conceded (laughs) that I make better than her (laughs) which is a gift in itself um but yeah so this noodle dish we feature it at every celebratory opportunity you know birthdays new year Chinese new year Easter Christmas whatever it is this dish is there and it's such a comfort and I think it's really interesting that you point out how food you know, especially in 2020, has 
really shown us how we can connect with each other because I think eating is one of the only things that we have to do to survive. <laughs> um, but it's also one of the things that I think people gain so much pleasure from and pleasure in the sense of like it's a way that we connect with each other, a way that we connect and communicate with one another on a different level other than just talking about things. It's a way where it forces people to actually come together in the same room or at the same table. And it's the food that really leads that conversation that, you know, raises questions, that provides a lot of basis for emotion. So I think definitely food has that huge power. And, and in 2020, I think it's needed more than ever. Such a beautiful way of putting it. So we started with this. I mean, I don't know whether it's a good thing or a bad thing that we're recording this just before dinner. Because <laughs> I'm going to be starving by the end oh. of it. <laughs> So that's kind of a general celebratory dish that obviously has a lot of meaning and memories for you. Mm -hmm. If we narrow in on one particular holiday of Christmas, what would we find if we were to come to you for Christmas? What would we find on the table? And that could be, you know, you said your, I know you've got your your love yeah. of cooking from your mum, what mm. she prepared versus what you do now or, or any of those combinations. What would we find on the table? Yeah, so I, re I reckon like now on the table, we definitely have, yes, the hockey noodles, of course, that is a must, but also fresh oysters, those uh, cooked prawns, like tiger prawns. You're going to find a lot of different sort of like a mixture of meat and seafood, really. There's a huge focus on that, especially in my family. But actually one of my traditions personally is that I always attempt something quite experimental and something quite, let's say, labour-intensive, uh, which usually takes days or hours to prepare. Uh, it's like it's my version of the Thanksgiving turkey. You know, it's got to be perfect. Um, so over the years, you know, I've done a whole spit roast suckling pig. I've done, you know, half a whole lamb, which I've done, you know, cooked over charcoal and beautiful basting of different sauces and marinades. I've done a lot of very traditional ancient Chinese type dishes, which I've researched for weeks and weeks and weeks. Um, and this year's no different. I've, I've definitely got a, a little ace up my sleeve as well. Um, so usually there's a very big sort of centerpiece of something that's wow and different and unique. Um, and that's the experimental dish. And then it's surrounded. It's always a sharing table. No one's got individual like sort of dishes served to them it's always sharing and there's always loads and loads of color <laughs> and i think that's a really interesting point because i suppose one of the one of the great things about christmas is the traditions but that can also be one of the limiting things so i love hearing you talk about how you attempt something big and majestic and new every year because i think we can often get stuck of doing you know we've always done yeah. this so we've got to keep doing this yeah exactly exactly and i think I mean, yes, I love to cook and not maybe not a lot of people um, enjoy that part of Christmas. That's probably one of the most stressful parts. Um, but at the end of the day, I think it's an opportunity to do something different and we should we should be embracing that. It's, it's you know, find that fun in sort of um, doing something that's unexpected and that is kind of uncomfortable but really rewards everyone well. Springing off that topic, obviously you – released your book I think you, you announced it about Christmas time last year but it came out mm. this year sweet savory spicy yes. exciting street market food from Thailand Cambodia Malaysia and more and everybody you know seeing you on the show following you on social you're kind of beloved for I think the best way to describe it is how you've put it which is this kind of smack you in the face flavor it's all about <laughs> flavor and texture and things like that yeah for people who might not be quite game enough to attempt to you know 
spit roast a whole pig. Do you have any uh, tips or suggestions for kind of amping up the flavor this Christmas with a ingredient or dish or, or something yeah. on that topic of new things to try that you'd suggest? Oh, absolutely. Look, I think one of the top tips I have, especially for this year, make it easy for yourself. Everyone's had a really tough year. Let's not stress ourselves anymore out, okay? So I reckon keep everything really, really simple. You know, yeah, just do you know, your cold sliced hams, your pre-cooked tiger prawns, your raw oysters, but go a little bit more bold and exciting and adventurous with different sauces, marinades, that type of thing. That's the stuff that's going to really amp up sort of your table. It's not only going to make it more look more full, but it's going to add really different flavor. You know, start using things like fish sauce, coriander, start using things like coriander seed, mustards, things like that, that really create a point of difference in each of the flavours that you're, you're trying to bring together. And last year, I also noticed that you shared some great tips for kind of, we're talking about the big meal, but some great mm. tips for leftovers, what to do with those bits oh, yeah. that you get left over. Um, so again, I'm just going to be picking your brain for tips, but do you have <laughs> any recommendations or ideas to kind of maximise leftovers when you know you're sick of a ham sandwich for the fourth day in a row. I noticed, I noticed last year you made um, croquettes, I think, with leftover yeah. mashed potato and ham, which just is yeah. a genius idea. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Actually, it's almost like a it's almost like an invention test, right? <laughs> um, it's actually really, really cool. Um, all the leftovers is one of my favourite parts of, of Christmas because you start finding new ways to create something out of what, you know, people are kind of – not no longer interested in right so things like using the ham bone to make a beautiful split pea and ham soup or using it to make congee or using it to create a stock that will flavor something else like imagine creating a beautiful broth using that ham bone uh, maybe some parmesan rinds a bit of bay leaf peppercorns that kind of thing and serving that with a tortellini a ricotta and sage tortellini or something like that that would be insane people would go crazy for that and then using the leftover vegetables or salads or something to create, you know, maybe a calzone or something that's, you know, quite exciting, even just a puff pastry tart or something like that, where you're repurposing it. And the thing to make leftovers exciting and flavorful and, and something that people are drawn back into is to create texture, texture and color. If people see something new with their eyes and it draws them in, that's what's going to you know, hook people into that. Um, and I think it's a really, really clever way of cooking. And it's, it's something that, you know, people got to start thinking, well, how can I, how can I make the holiday season easier for myself? How do I make that return to work period after January 1st or whatever it is, um, something that is more bearable <laughs> and it's, it's food. Food is the, is the thing that's going to carry you through. <laughs> you mentioned so many great ideas there, but for the first time I felt myself almost getting just as excited for the possibility of what I can create after rather than just the main meal. Yeah. So lots of great things to try there. <laughs> I imagine that being on social on Instagram and Facebook, one of the great things is you get to talk to, to people, to fellow cooks, to mm. fans and things like that. Um, and I imagine that your DMs are probably filled with a lot of questions about <laughs> cooking things or comments. Oh. What would you say is one of the most common cooking queries or questions that you get asked do you see like a trend of of things that people particularly want to know yeah so it often it often happens that the way I like to approach social media is my social media yes obviously is about me and what I'm doing and and my food and and that journey 
But for example, my Instagram stories, I always try to highlight the creations that other people have done. You know, they might give my recipes a go. And I really, really like to acknowledge that. And it gives me so much joy to see that, you know, my recipes are getting out there. My tips are getting out there. People are uh, paying attention and giving it a go. And that that's really important to me. And as I keep posting these things, one of the questions I get asked the most is, where's the recipe? Where's the recipe? Where's the recipe? <laughs> it's probably not what you're looking for but it's like it's it's a question where it's so hard because I can't just keep pointing out the same recipe over and over and again again you know people get sick of that stuff but it's good to know that I'm able to create quite a hype around these sort of recipes and things like that and the other sort of more food-based question I get is often why didn't my crackling work out Or uh, do you have a recipe for chili oil (laughs) or how do you make your noodle dishes? Um, I'm a big fan of like soup noodles and and stir fried noodles. And I often post a lot of photos with that, of of those things. And yeah, so a a couple questions are usually, where can I get this or where's the recipe for this? (laughs) And I think particularly on the pork crackling might be a popular one for Christmas. So (laughs) is there a, a common troubleshoot that people might need to look out for or think about if they are attempting crackling this Christmas? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Look, the main thing with crackling is you want to drive out moisture from the skin of whatever you're roasting, whether it's a pork pork rack, like a loin rack, or whether it's a pork belly or something like that. You want to drive out moisture from that. So start thinking about ways that are helpful in that sense. So, you know, drying the pork out in the in the fridge overnight, that's going to dry that skin out. I've even seen people sort of wipe down the skin with with vinegar and that evaporates a lot of the moisture. Or my personal favorite method, which works for me every time, is the salt crust method. You know, you place a, a ridiculous amount of salt on the skin, but it does cake together and you remove it. You're not going to eat it. And what that does is it, it draws out the moisture. And then once you control the temperature, that crackling happens when it's dry and it's a high temp situation. So cranking up that heat in the oven is really going to help you. And it's just starting to turn your mind to things like this that, that really are going to help you in the end. Here, just popping in your ears for a little break from my chat with Sarah for my weekly segment on ways you can give back this Christmas. Today, I want to talk about Food Bank Victoria. While we have talked all about the wonderful food we'll be enjoying this Christmas in this episode, there are many families who don't know whether they'll be able to put anything on the table this Christmas. Food Bank Victoria is the state's largest food relief charity helping to fight hunger and food waste. According to the organisation, there's a 47% higher demand for food since COVID-19, with 29% of those accessing food relief doing so for the first time. And let's not forget, many families and communities were already affected and impacted by earlier bushfires. $35 can fill a hamper with essential pantry items and nutritious meals for a struggling Victorian family, giving much-needed food and a little happiness too. $60 can provide the relief of pantry staples to families doing it tough, while $120 can provide the joy of fresh, nutritious meals to struggling families over the Christmas season. While those amounts are great, even if you can only spare some pocket change, every single dollar helps. They also offer gift vouchers of different amounts if you're looking for something for that hard-to-buy-for person. For more information and to donate, visit www.foodbank.org.au. I'll also put the link in the show notes. 
I believe there are equivalents for each state and country as well. So if you are outside of Victoria and want to go local, please check out their website if you're in Australia or search for your nearest food bank if you are overseas. This isn't sponsored or any way. This segment is just a way for me to highlight some of the ways that you can give back this Christmas. And I'm always looking for um, submissions of, of charities or organisations or things that you can do to kind of give back and help others at Christmas. So if you have a submission, please send it my way. My email address is in the show notes. Is there a common Christmas dish that you think is either overrated or one that you think more people should embrace <laughs> on the Christmas dinner table? Oh, I don't know if I'm going to get a bit of hate from this, but um, mince pies? Ooh. Oh, no, I can't do it. I can't do it. Oh, oh, it gets me every time. I'm just like, no, this is not, this is not delicious to me. <laughs> what is it? What is it? Is it just, it's just the whole package or is there a particular? I mean, for me, there's almost like this intoxicating sweetness. It's, it's, oh my God, I'm actually like, I'm there in the moment raising a fruit mince pie to my mouth and I can just smell that sugar rolling off of it. And maybe it's because it always comes out like right at the end of the massive meal. And so you're already over food and you're just like, oh, I cannot deal with this. But yeah, I don't know. Fruit mince pies for me, absolute no. Oh, and candy canes. Oh. They're kind of more more fun than yeah, tasty. Exactly. They look good, but they don't really do anything else. <laughs> and all that stickiness and oh, no, can't I can't deal. <laughs> You would um you would be surprised your mince pie opinion. You're definitely not alone in, in that from, from previous guests that I've had. But it's interesting because Christmas puddings in terms of the general category are so divisive. Fruitcake, mm. Christmas pudding, mince pies. I suppose mm. Pavlova is, is is generally beloved. I'm yet to meet someone who really is mm. passionately against Pavlova. But yeah, Christmas puddings are definitely divisive. I don't know what it is. Like who thought that it would be a good idea to eat something as heavy as a stone? Like right after you've had a massive meal. You know, what who made that tradition? I'm not I'm not sure. Do do you do one of those types of puddings as a tradition or not? We do do my background is uh, is English, so we do we are very big on the heavy <laughs> foods. Even if it is 35 degrees. We will do a Christmas pudding and then maybe a mince pie later in the afternoon. Oof. But it's um probably a develop <laughs> probably a double whammy. Probably a developed taste over years, I think. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Fair enough. Oh, it's probably the English that came up with the tradition, I'm going to be honest. <laughs> Finally, on the topic of food, one of the things, and you did mention it earlier, the big things is bringing it all together with timing when you're mm. juggling so many dishes. Mm. And obviously we've seen you played out, you know, crank to the max and pressure tests and things like that on MasterChef. Yeah. If you could give just one piece of advice to somebody about you know, either not stressing about all that or the best way to kind of keep on top of timing mm. or organisation or just getting things out relatively similarly, what yeah. would be that piece of advice? I think my advice would be definitely start thinking about your menu way in advance, like, like you know, a week or two in advance. Have an idea of what you're actually going to cook and then use time to your advantage. Don't cook everything on Christmas Day. Don't cook everything the day before. You know, use the two, three days leading up to it. Clear out your fridge, make some space and start, you know, doing some prep and having things put away. You know, and then once you're kind of in the full swing of, of the actual celebration, you know, start with some really, really fresh, easy canapes or snacks or platters, things like your salads, things like your, um, you know, lettuce cups with a beautiful prawn and maybe like a um, like a chili jam or something like that, something that's super easy. Also, dishes that the guests 
can plate and build themselves. Oh, heaven. Absolutely easy. Just plonk down a few ingredients on the table and let the guests have at it. It's all about giving yourself time to actually spend with your family, isn't it? Like it's, it happens to me a lot, especially when I, I cater, you know, big sort of birthday bashes and things like that. You often find yourself really, you're, you're tied to the kitchen, you're chained down, and you don't actually get to spend time sitting with your guests or, or really, you know, taking in the moment. So I think start early, clean out your fridge, think of simple, easy, fresh things to do and get it all out sort of, you know, when you can. It's not, don't, don't panic. Don't think that everything has to be on the table at one time. On that note of, you know, when you're hosting or you're cooking and you're, you kind of lose some of that Mm. ease of being able to just kind of enjoy the environment sometimes. I wondered, I think every household is different. In your house, is there a rule that if you cook, you don't clean up or how does it work? Oh, no, no, that doesn't work in my house. (laughs) (laughs) That's what I'm wishing for for Christmas. But (laughs) I think like it's, in my house, we try to encourage, I have a lot of young cousins, you know, so they're, they're still at school kind of age. And so the older cousins, myself, my brother, and, and a few of the older ones definitely try to push it back on them as it was pushed on us when we were that age. So we try to get the younger ones to do the cleaning, um, you know, to go get the drinks, go fill people's drinks up, you know, start doing things that are a bit more responsible. It doesn't always work, but... <laughs> Oh, I wish I didn't have to do the cleaning. <laughs> the hope is there. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, hi. Who is it? It's carol singers. We move on to the next section, which is your Christmas traditions. So you mentioned one of them earlier. So tell me a bit more about the Christmas traditions or rituals that you either you love now or that you did as a family when you were younger. Yeah. So I guess it's probably been the past four, five years now that my friends and I make it a a tradition to go to the Sydney fish markets um, when they do that massive like 72 hour um, prolonged um, operation. Like they they just open for like 72 hours. And so we like to go absurdly like the ungodly hours, like 3am, 4am, we're all out there and we're like, oh, I guess we'll just eat a kilo of prawns then. <laughs> and it sounds kind of weird. Right. Yeah, exactly. It sounds weird, but it actually, it's just this idea of doing something that's a little unusual, a little strange, but doing it with people that really mean a lot to, to you. Um, and it also means that I can pick up the fresh seafood for the next day. <laughs> um, so it's that's a good tradition. We also have a tra- tradition in my family, and it um, occurs at all sort of celebratory days, is that we give red pockets So instead of gifts, you know, we might give a gift here and there, like, you know, if someone's done well in school this year, we might, you know, do something big and get them like, you know, something that they've been wanting for a while. But usually we do red pockets, which usually have some amount of money in it. And normally, normally the rule is if you're not married, you don't have to give a red pocket. And this is a tradition in like Chinese culture, right? So if you're not married, you don't have to give a red red pocket, even if you're like, you know, 30, 40, 50, whatever. But in my family, red pocket duty generally falls to me. (laughs) My mum's retired, so she's just like, oh, Sarah, you handle it. Oh, I can't be bothered. And I'm like, "Uh, where am I going to get all this cash from? (laughs) (laughs) But it's also a good chance to sort of um, be a little mischievous, right, because I try to put the same amount of money in all the pockets, but then I'll just put an extra note in or something 
for one of them and be like, I'll just wait till they all open it and be like, oh, well, someone's clearly my favorite. <laughs> all the kids will go mad. They'll just like, they'll be like, no, it's me. It's me. <laughs> it's good. But yeah, most of my traditions in my family uh, revolve around food and, and, and making sure that we, we all keep um, at least Christmas Day free. We try to not stray too far. And what I mean by that is we try to not, like we, we don't want to go away or we don't want to leave the family on that day. It's usually Christmas Day, Chinese New Year and New Year's Day on January 1st where we try to stay at home kind of thing or at least together as a family because um, my mother and my my oldest uncle, they both believe like, you know, at those points it sets the tone for the rest of the year. So you want to be around family. You don't want to be by yourself or you don't want to be traveling and away from home. You want to create that spirit of, you know, togetherness. I love that. You know, we mentioned lots of things happening this year. Will you be able to celebrate with all your family, you know, kind of interstate and things like that? Will you be able to be all together as usual? Yeah, most most of us will be. The family that I'm closest to and I see regularly, they're all around Sydney anyway. But I do have family members that are, you know, overseas or, or interstate. So it's a little bit more difficult to see them. And, and this given this year, I don't think it's a possibility, but they'll definitely be in hearts and minds anyway. Yeah, I think there'll be lots of phone call Christmas catch-ups and Zoom yeah. Christmas catch-ups as well as part of it this year. <laughs> if we're not already sick of Zoom after this year, but we'll... we'll oh God. We I was going to say, I can't, even, I can't even talk about Zoom. Oh, it is the worst. It's the best and the worst. I can't... Oh, especially for work because we use Microsoft Teams, right? And it's just like IT problem after IT problem after <laughs> IT problem. I can't. <laughs> People, tomorrow morning, 10 a.m., Santa's coming to town. Santa! Oh, my God! Santa here? I know him. So tell me a bit more about actual Christmas Day. I've spoken about a lot about the food aspects of it. Mm. Are there any other things that you love to do on Christmas Day? Yeah. So Christmas Day generally starts sort of mid-morning for us. Like it gives everyone a chance to travel to one of our houses, like either my uncle's house, my house or my aunt's house. And it gives us a chance to come together and it's generally really, really loud. My mother and her brothers and sisters are just oh, chatterboxes, all of them, and they catch up over everything. You know, there's the usual gossip, there's the usual this and that, and it's it's fantastic. But the kids generally, it's it's quite interesting to see how they've grown throughout the years, um, especially a lot of the younger ones. And we tend to try to play a few like card games or, you know, if the boys are really, really, you know, naggy about it, we'll all play like PlayStation or something like that together. But it's all about everyone, you know, giving it a go. And then my Christmas day generally always ends with a little wind down with a glass of port. <laughs> Port uh, Christmas is probably one of the only times that I'll drink port. I love it, but I, I keep it special as, you know, that sort of nice way to finish the holidays. <laughs> I love it. Finally, we come to the third segment, which is all about Christmas music and movies and uh -huh. TV shows. <laughs> so let's start with music. Music-wise, is there a particular song you love or artist or what's kind of the epitome of, of Christmas musically for you? Oh, yeah, look. I am very much open to listening to whoever, but Mariah Carey is usually blasted at the top of my speaker volume in the car, and that generally happens on that midnight run to the Sydney Fish Market. <laughs> but otherwise, um, 
my family does enjoy a little Michael Bublé, you know, his his buttery voice gets mm-hmm. everyone in that sort of festive spirit, which is great. But generally music dies down and it's usually just my family members getting way too excited and screaming at the top of their lungs. So <laughs> it's a little bit harder, but yeah. But movies and TV shows, that's a that's a thing actually. Movies I, I don't know. I'm not a huge fan of like like love actually or things like that. I'm I'm not too keen on that. I just never got into it. I, I, I don't think I could understand like the appeal of, you know, oh, my God, it's the most brilliant movie, especially around Christmas time. And for some reason it's always on. Like I just I can't escape it. <laughs> um, but for me I, I really like watching TV shows with my family, so things like Queer Eye that everybody can kind of get into and can relate to and have a bit of a laugh. That's always really, really good. And we always love to watch like Nigella or Jamie Oliver. Um, <laughs> which is fantastic. And occasionally in the evening, the kids and I will all we'll sort of sit around and we'll, um, we'll watch an action film, <laughs> something with like car chases, guns, explosions. <laughs> I don't even the know usual why. Christmas stuff. Yeah, exactly. It's like, oh, it matches exactly how I feel. <laughs> I don't know. It's, it's just something that we do. <laughs> Nigella and Jamie is a great one because it's actually something we I haven't talked about on the podcast yet with my mm. guests, which, which is something that I love. I love the Christmas cooking specials that they show mm. on TV. So now you mentioned Nigella and Jamie. Are there any others you particularly love to watch? Oh, I love Gordon. Absolutely love Gordon. Um, and now having met him through through MasterChef Back to Win, just completely and utterly in love with that guy. Oh, my gosh. He's just, he's magnetic. He's talented. Um, obviously, my first love will always be Jamie Oliver. He was the guy that, you know, I first saw on TV cooking food that I was immediately drawn to with an attitude that I was so impressed with. Um, but, yeah, I don't know. It's usually Nigella, Jamie and Gordon. There's something about it. There's something so much more inviting and sort of almost entertaining, I suppose, about, you know, these chefs, especially these British chefs who who are celebrating more of a colder climate Christmas but are so, so just excited by what they're doing as well. And you might, you, you will definitely have better insight um, than I into this. In terms of the logistics, when we see these Christmas specials, would they be filming them in like July or August or something ridiculous, very (laughs) anti-Christmas? Yeah, definitely. It's definitely, um, you know, at least a month or two in advance. Um, I, you know, I can't say too much, but I I am potentially going to be on a, a special coming out this year on Aussie TV. So that was filmed quite a while ago now too. So, yeah, everything is generally done quite early in advance and it feels almost weird. You know, the the whole set is dressed for Christmas and it's like October. (laughs) (laughs) We'll definitely have to keep an eye out for any announcements (laughs) for that from you then, definitely. Thank you. (laughs) I've got two final questions for you. The first um, goes a little deeper, so maybe we'll do with that. We've kind of touched on how how big this year has been and particularly for you there have been so many amazing things the cookbook master chef when you look back on this year or when you reflect of the last 12 months what's kind of the i don't want to say it doesn't have to be the lesson or the thing that stands out to you most that mm. you kind of come to to realize or appreciate this year yeah it's definitely been a tough year it's been exciting and tough so it's been a complete roller coaster I've had the highest of highs and the lowest of lows and you know I this year I had a book tour organized I had all these events organized and you know within a drop of a hat 
all of them cancelled. Fees had to be refunded. Everything is sort of out the door. And I think the the thing that word that comes to mind to describe what this whole year has ta- taught me is adaptability. And adaptability encompasses everything from resilience to mental attitude to, you know, physically making sure you have things in place to help you during a, a moment of disaster or, or disappointment. Um, but that adaptability to to be able to deal with a new way of dining, a new type of hospitality industry, a new way of living, different expectations, it's, it's really, really difficult and it's an ongoing lesson, I think. But, yeah. You've got to be adaptable. And if you're not, you've got to learn to do that quickly. Yeah. Absolutely. That's a great one. And with it might be too soon to say we don't really know what's happening next year, but we'll be able to stay tuned to see if any of those those events or things that you are were doing for your, your book tour, will we keep an eye out for yeah. that as well? Or? Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, I've been in talks for, for months now with different sort of service providers and things like that to to help me kind of get back on my feet and to, to sort of make sure that these plans do go ahead in some sort of capacity. Um, and I think there's definitely going to be a few exciting things lined up for 2021. Um, and I just, I'm I'm just going to be glad that 2020 is over, to be honest. <laughs> I think most people will be. But, yeah, I don't know. It's been really, really weird, hasn't it? This full year has just it sure has. Oh, it's really affected everything. Um, and it's it's interesting to see that we can still have a laugh about it. We can still, you know, be like, okay, look, can't do this, but let's step left a little, you know, do something a little different. Yeah. And I loved I loved how you framed that adaptability because it's kind of, acknowledging what's happened but also you know a bit of positivity for Mm. we can handle things in the future which I think is a really great kind of message and thing to keep in mind as well yeah exactly exactly to finish us off we've kind of touched on your feelings about love actually and mince pies but I wondered (laughs) if there was any other I, I kind of call it an unpopular Christmas opinion but kind of like thing that goes against the grain of what other people think about for Christmas do you have any any to add or expand on on the on your unpopular Christmas opinion Christmas carols okay yeah you know I I grew up loving Christmas carols I you know it was a huge part of my childhood you know it was always in the school production always doing something fun and the Christmas carols always came on during like September I don't know but I don't know this the past few years as I as I get older I sort of I've become a bit of a Grinch when it comes to that I'm like this is the most annoying thing in the world especially when you're stressed out and you're doing your Christmas shopping and all they're blasting is jingle bells (laughs) or something and you're just like this is not helping me but yeah I try to keep that opinion to myself mostly I I just grin and bear it really but yeah I, I and I don't know about you but in my neighborhood we we definitely have a few families that love to carol like like they do in the in the movies and it's a uh, you know I generally just get someone else to answer the door because I'm afraid of what I might say <laughs> but really look look I, I definitely have a positive Christmas spirit I love Christmas just not caroling <laughs> I love all those memes particularly around the Grinch that's like as a child this grin the Grinch was like this horrible and horrible thing but as you grow up you kind of identify more with how the Grinch feels about people (laughs) most relatable character ever I think that is the perfect note to end on Sarah thank you so so much for chatting Christmas things with me today it has been so much fun and I am coming away with so many great uh tips and things that I want to get in the kitchen cooking so thank you so much oh thank you so much for having me it was a pleasure 
Thank you so much for listening to this episode of Christmas Binge. I hope you enjoyed my chat with Sarah and took away some great cooking tips. I know I did. You can find Sarah on Instagram at fillmytummy and I'll pop that link and where you can purchase her great cookbook in the show notes too. If you enjoyed this episode, it would mean so much to me if you could subscribe, rate five stars and importantly, leave a review if you are feeling particularly festive. And if you'd like to be bumped up for the Christmas is Nice list, send this podcast to a friend or recommend to a work colleague. You can also share that you are listening by taking a screenshot and posting it on Instagram and tagging me at a Christmas binge. A final reminder that I do have another prettier podcast called Beauty Island, where I ask interesting people in beauty and beyond about the eight beauty products they take to a desert island. Along the way, we learn more about their life, career and the people and events that have shaped them into who they are today you can find the link in the show notes there's a lot going on in there or search beauty island wherever you listen to your podcasts if you can't wait until next week you can find me on instagram at a christmas binge where i'll be sharing christmas memes and all sorts of goodness and a reminder that for anyone who is facing a very different christmas this year please know that you're not alone and i would love to hear from you if you feel comfortable sharing email me beautyislandpodcast at gmail.com until next week thank you and bye bye Enough now.